0: I will say, uh, I saw a couple of folks at the uh, grocery store yesterday. I saw Emmy and and Crystal. And uh, so that's encouraging for the uh, time of fellowship tonight. If you need to go, uh, you can go between uh, church service and after the service this morning, before the church service this evening. So uh, keep that in mind. You can tell what one of my New Year's resolutions is. To eat more in 2023. Returning this morning in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 19. Genesis 19, and we want to read it, verse six, uh, 15. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened a lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth, and set him without the city. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You for this new year. And we look forward in it to Your coming. We believe that it's near, that it's even at the doors. We pray that we would live in the light of that if we know You as our Savior. And for those who may be lost, we pray that they would understand the need, before it's eternally too late to trust you as their Savior. To that end, we pray that you would bless our study of your word today and we ask it in Jesus name. Amen. We want to begin by wishing all of you a very happy New year. John Newton wrote a hymn that comes to mind on this day with a slight modification. The hymn that he wrote is called Safely Through Another Week. We used to sing this quite often at a church that I grew up in. And the first verse says, Safely through another week, God has brought us on our way. Let us now a blessing seek, waiting in His courts today, day of all the week the best, emblem of eternal rest. On this New Year's Day, we can sing in our hearts that not only has God brought us safely through another week, He's brought us safely through another year. And our attitude should be that we are here to seek a blessing as we wait in His courts today. And this is indeed His courts. Because where two or three are gathered together in My name, the Lord Jesus said, there am I in the midst of them. And this is not only the day of all the week the blessed the, the best, it is the day of all the year the best as we have a very unique opportunity today to begin 2023 with the Lord Jesus in his courts. This morning as we look at lot, We want to think about where we are going to spend this year of 2023. We'll spend it in one of two places. To do that, we want to think about Lot's escape from Sodom. In verse 16, the angels physically bring Lot and his wife and his two daughters out of the city. In the face of the judgment of God, Judgment that was literally only moments away. Lot and his family have to be drug out of Sodom. That sounds incredible to us here in 2023 as we look back at these verses. But it really shouldn't. Lord Jesus told us, and it's the verse that we have mentioned so often in these studies, that likewise also as it was in the days of Lot, even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. We are, as we have seen in these studies, living in Sodom. That means that this morning we're living in a world that is standing on the brink of the judgment of God. And yet how many believers in this hour are lingering in Sodom? And the only thing that's going to bring them out is the rapture. The only thing that is going to bring them out is the return of the Lord Jesus to the air and as He snatches His people out of this world. The only way that the majority of believers will ever come out of Sodom is for God to physically bring them out just as the angels did Lot. Verse 17, And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, Escape for thy life, look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. The angels brought Lot out of the city of Sodom, and they said to him, Escape to the mountain." That sets before us a very critical contrast. The contrast between the city and the mountain. The city in the Bible, as we have talked about before, pictures to us man gathered together in in corporate in collective defiance against God. The city is a place of man's order and man's system of thoughts and ideas and philosophy the city is a place of sin it's a place of pleasure and indulgence and gratification turn back for just a minute to genesis chapter 4 genesis chapter 4 and look at verse 16 And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch. And he, that is Cain, built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. Cain built the first city. And he built it in defiance and rebellion against God After he refused to acknowledge his sin, God confronted Cain with his sin in verse 10. As he comes to him and he says, What hast thou done? What hast thou done? Here's an opportunity for Cain to acknowledge his sin and confess his sin. But he would not do it. He refused to repent of the murder of his brother Abel And he goes out from the presence of the Lord and he builds this first city. he names it after his son Enoch. We see in that the idea of making a name. Preserving a name. Preserving a philosophy of life. Cain named his son Enoch. The name Enoch means teacher. It means to train. And so Cain was going to... uh, Preserve his life and preserve his philosophy through the teaching and the training that his son, that he gave his son, and that his son, Enoch, would teach to his sons. The philosophy that you don't need God, you can build a city, you can build a civilization, you can build a life without God. And you can preserve and keep your life because it's worth living. It's to be enjoyed to the full. This is the kind of thinking that is embodied in this first city. And it's in direct defiance and rebellion against God and His Word. In Genesis chapter 11, turn over there as we make our way back to Genesis chapter 19. In Genesis chapter 11, we read that in verse 1, the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them throughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. In verse 4, Nimrod and his people say, let us build us a city and a tower. Notice the reason for the building of this city and tower. It was so they could make us a name. That was Cain's idea in philosophy. In naming the first city after his son. It's the idea of preserving and keeping your life. But we see something else in verse 3. Something that we've talked about on a number of occasions. Something that Pastor Kelly preached many years ago. Notice that it says, "...and they had brick for stone." Builders of this city made a substitution. It's the same substitution that Cain, no doubt, made in that first city. They substituted brick for stone. Stone was available. But instead of stone that God provided, they built their city out of brick that they provided. That says everything about a city. These men, these builders rejected the stone. (coughs) They rejected just as Cain did the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't want anything to do with Him. They didn't want anything to do with His Word. What they wanted was what man made. What they wanted was brick. What they wanted was man's order. Their own system of ideas and thoughts and philosophies that are in defiance and rebellion against God and His thoughts and His Word. And it's out of a city, the city of Sodom, that the angels set Lot and his family. Let's go back to to Genesis chapter 19. The angels set Lot and his family out of Sodom. And in contrast to the city, they tell him to escape to the mountain. Escape to the mountain. A mountain in the Bible is a place of revelation. It was on the mountain of Sinai that God revealed His written Word for the first time. He wrote it there. In Song of Solomon chapter 2 and verse 8, we read, The voice of my beloved, behold, he cometh leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. So a mountain is a place of revelation. It's where we hear His voice. But a mountain is also a place of sacrifice. It's a place of self-denial. It's a place of death. Look over a couple of pages to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. And look at verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. And get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Mount Moriah was a place of sacrifice in Abraham's life, it was a place of self denial, it was a place of death. Here on this mountain, Abraham was to sacrifice something that was dearer to him than his own life. The life of his only son. This mountain was not an easy place. It was a place where Abraham would be called, uh, be called on to make the greatest offering of his life. Pastor Kelly preached a message. I think I've mentioned it to you before on this passage. It's called the final offering. I would encourage you to go on Sermon Audio and listen to it, but I want to warn you before you go. It can change your life. Gail and I listened to that message 36 years ago as we were riding back to where we lived in South Carolina. We'd been up here to church on Sunday morning. We were riding back to... Lancaster, South Carolina. Kent gave us that message to listen to. We listened to it riding home. We went to bed that night and we listened to it again. I got up the next morning and I went in and I quit my job. I went and I told my boss, I said, I'm very sorry that I cannot give you but a week's notice. But we've got to get out of this city. We've got to get to the mountain. (laughs) we got to get to Southern Pines. That's where the Lord wants us. That's where He wants our children in that school. And so we came. Never thought I would quit a job and not have a job. But the Lord directed us that way. So I warn you, if you listen to that message, it can change your life. But this mountain was a hard place. It was a place of tears. You don't think Abraham shed tears that day? You don't think he was in anguish of soul? He was going to offer his son Isaac for a burnt offering. Of course, you know the account here, how God intervened. But that doesn't take away from the sacrifice that Abraham made here. Abraham did not know what was going to happen. The Lord didn't say, Abraham, you go up there and you go through the motions here. And I'm going to intervene. There's nothing to worry. No, he didn't know any of that. Abraham sacrificed his son. He, was, he, he did it. Paul tells us in Hebrews 11 that by faith, Abraham offered up Isaac, his only begotten son. And he did it because he accounted that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. And then Paul tells us this in Hebrews 11 and verse 19. He says, "From whence also he, Abraham, received him, Isaac, in a figure. A parable. That's what the word figure means. It's an example by which a doctrine is illustrated. And the doctrine that is illustrated on Mount Moriah between this father and his only begotten son is the doctrine of the cross of Calvary. For some almost 2,000 years in the future, on this very mountain, this place of sacrifice and self-denial and death, God the Father would sacrifice His only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And there on Mount Calvary, the Lord Jesus denied Himself. In the Garden of Gethsemane, He prayed, Not My will, but Thine be done. On Mount Calvary, He lived those words. On Mount Calvary, the fire of God's judgment was poured out on the Lord Jesus Christ as the Father laid on Him. We read how the wood was laid upon Isaac. The Lord Jesus had laid upon Him the iniquity of us all as He bore our sins in His own body on the tree. And on... That mountain, on the mountain of Calvary, God the Father stretched forth His hand and took the knife to slay His Son. And no man, no man stayed His hand as happened here. He plunged that knife of judgment and death into His only begotten Son because our sin was upon Him. He was made sin for us, and the wages of sin is death. A mountain is a place of revelation. And this mountain, Mount Calvary, is the place, it's the only place where the love of God for sinners is revealed. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us. How did he do that? In that while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. First John four ten says, "Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us." And what was the demonstration of His love? He sent His Son to be the propitiation, the substitutionary sacrifice for our sins. A mountain is a place of revelation. It's also a place of sacrifice place of self-denial, a place of death. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 19. In verse 16, the angel set Lot and his family outside of the city. And the angel said two things in verse 17 that I'd like for you to notice. The angel said, and it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, Escape for thy life. Escape to the mountain. Escape for thy life. Escape to the mountain. Very instructive wording. What the angel is telling Lot is that the way to save your life, the way to save your life is to escape to the place of sacrifice and self-denial and death. That's exactly what the Lord Jesus said three times in the New Testament. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. That's staying in Sodom. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. That's what it means to escape to the mountain. And notice Lot's reply in verse 18. And Lot said unto them, Oh not so, my Lord." Behold now, thy servant hath found grace in thy sight. Notice what Lot says. Notice what he recognizes. Behold now, thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, not just shown shown mercy, but magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. At verse ought to end right there. That verse ought to end with with Lot saying, I will go to the mountain. That's not what he says, is it? And I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die. I've highlighted in my Bible three words that summarize the, the whole problem with Lot. Those words, lest I die, lest I die. I cannot escape to the mountain. Lest some evil take me and I die. And Lot was right, wasn't he? If he escaped to the mountain, he would lose his life. Because Lot's life had been in Sodom, he'd lose that. He understood that the mountain was a place of sacrifice and self-denial and death and he didn't want any part of that. Lot knew that to be obedient to the will of God was to escape to the mountain and doing that meant that he would lose his life. It meant that he would have to deny himself. It meant that he would have to put aside his goals and his plans and his ambitions And all of his desires, everything that he had built, it meant that he would have to give up the pleasures and the decadence of the city. And that seemed evil to him. Lot believed it would be evil to deny himself. Lot believed it would kill him to do what the Lord wanted him to do. Lot wanted one benefit from salvation heaven heaven but other than that his attitude of heart was a point that Vance Havner made in his little book Pepper and Salt how many Christians lives are summarized by the song take my life and let it be take my life Lord but you let it be Nothing beyond salvation. You just let me alone. You just let me live my life the way I want to live it. That's the way the Lord Jesus said that the majority of believers would be living in this hour. If you want to seem evil in the eyes of most believers today, just start talking about escaping to the mountain. Just start talking about sacrifice and self-denial and death to self and being obedient to the Word of God. And what you'll hear is exactly what Lot said. Oh, not so. I cannot do that lest I die. And so in verse 20, Lot has an alternative to the mountain. Behold now, this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither, is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. Lot's alternative to the mountain is a little city. A little city. It's near. It's near. It's right here. That word near suggests convenience, doesn't it? It suggests ease. As opposed to the mountain that's that's rough and steep. The word little suggests. An attitude of relativism in Lot's life. This city was little and therefore much less evil than Sodom. The word little suggests an attitude of tolerance and compromise. The idea that it's all right. It's all right to tolerate sin, it's all right to compromise as long as it's just in the little things, the little city. But Lot was ignoring what we so often ignore. And that is the truth about little things. The truth about little sins in our life. God says a little leaven. A little leaven. Leaveneth the whole lump. God says it's the little foxes. The little foxes that spoil the vines. Here in Lot's words, we see the attitude of believers in this hour convenience, ease, relativism, tolerance, compromise. There's one other thing in this verse. Notice the last words of verse 20. And my soul shall live. There's that city philosophy. There's that city philosophy of making and preserving a name, a life. The idea of keeping and saving our life, the idea that our life is worth saving and living. You see, Lot could not live in the city without having the philosophy of the city affect him and his thinking. And neither can we. Neither can we. Verse 21 and he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city for the which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou come thither. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar enters into this little city of Zoar. The Lord brought Lot out of Sodom. He changed Lot's physical location. He told him to escape to the mountain. But please notice in these verses that the Lord did not change Lot's mind about the city. God directly moved In Lot's circumstances, and he moved in mercy. As we see in verse 16, the Lord being merciful unto him. And as Lot acknowledges in verse 19, magnified mercy. But God would not violate Lot's free will, He would not violate Lot's freedom to choose. One of the things that Pastor Kelly taught us over the years is that God goes to great lengths to preserve our free will. And I believe right here is one of the most graphic examples in all the Word of God of this principle. God's will for Lot was for him to leave Sodom. God's will for Lot was for him to escape to the mountain. And he told Lot that plainly. But God was willing to preserve Lot's freedom to choose to the point that He spared a city that was going to be destroyed. Look at verse 21. And He said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city for the which thou hast spoken. This brings before us one of the most sobering messages that you'll ever find in this book. God will not violate your free will. That's why what Mr. Creech says so often to the young people and to us is so true. The greatest danger that we will ever face is the freedom to choose. That has application to those who are saved and those who are lost. If we're saved today, God will work in mercy in our circumstances to show us His will. He'll lay it out before us. He's not trying to hide it from us. He'll make it clear and plain and simple, but He will never force you to do it. He'll move heaven and earth to preserve your freedom to choose. And if you choose to go down, if you choose... The little city of Zoar, Zoar means insignificance. It means bringing low. And that's where our will and our way and our choices will take us. But if that's the little city that we choose, God will let us go there. But He'll do exactly what He did for Israel. In Psalm 106, that's a psalm of the history of Israel. We read in that psalm how Israel forgot the Lord's works, how they would not wait on His counsel, how they lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. And then we read these words in Psalm 106 in verse 15. And He gave them their request... Wouldn't force them to go to the promised land. Wouldn't force them to keep His law. He gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. God gave Lot His request. Verse 20, Behold, now this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. God gave Lot his request, but sent leanness into Lot's soul. That's what the rest of Lot's story here in Genesis chapter 19 is all about. It's about the leanness of Lot's soul. The leanness of fear. Fear. Lot feared to dwell in Zoar. It's about the leanness of living in a cave in the mountain instead of living in obedience on the mountain. It's about the leanness of drunkenness. It's about the leanness of incest with his daughters that brought into the world two sons whose descendants would be the enemies of the people of God. If we're saved this morning, where are we going to live in 2023? The first day of this new year is a good time to think about this question. Because it may be that the Lord is setting you outside some city in your life right now. Some area of defiance and rebellion. And the Spirit of God is saying to you what He said to Lot, Escape for thy life. Escape to the mountain. Whosoever shall seek to save his life That's staying in the city of your rebellion. You're going to lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. Escape to the mountain. To the place of sacrifice and self-denial. To the place where we're crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live. Yet not us, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live By the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Where are we going to live in 2023? The mountain or Zoar? What's going to characterize our life in this new year? Is it going to be blessing or leanness of soul? If you're lost today, God will work in mercy in your circumstances to bring you face-to-face with your need to be saved. He'll ask you the same question He asked Cain. What hast thou done? What hast thou done? You crucified the Lord of glory. That's what you've done. He'll bring you face to face with your need to be saved, but He will never force you to be saved. That's why we read this warning. In Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Life is found. Life is chosen by escaping to the mountain. The mountain of Calvary where the Lord Jesus took your sin upon Himself and died in your place. You choose life by taking your place as a sinner and asking the Lord Jesus Christ to save you. If you do that right where you are, He'll take your life that is not worth living. Your life that's not worth preserving. And in exchange... He'll give you the only life that is. And that's His own life. The gift of eternal life. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we pray that You would help us to consider these things, whether we're saved today or whether we're lost. Pray that we would consider these things on this very first day of 2023. A year that that stretches out before us, at least we think. We think it does. We need to remember what David said. There's but one step between me and death. We're not promised that we'll see January 1st, 2024. So we pray that if we're saved, we would redeem the time and live for You. And Father, if there's any here who are lost, they would understand that Today is the day of salvation. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.